Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, December 5th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, maybe put the brakes on expectations for an early release of that Apple AR VR headset. And maybe pump the brakes on the AI excitement as well, as Stack Overflow temporarily bans users from sharing responses generated by ChatGPT. A security issue at Rackspace. Are the Winklevi in trouble? And why has Sam Bankman-Fried not been arrested yet? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Well, maybe got to put a bit of a break on the excitement we let off with on Friday. Our buddy Ming-Chi Kuo has a research note out saying that mass shipments of Apple's AR VR headset may be delayed until the second half of 2023. That would be a delay from the previously estimated Q2 of 2023 launch. Kuo says the delay would be due to software-related issues. Quoting Mac Rumors. Quo said mass shipments of components for the headset are still likely to begin in the first half of 2023, but he believes that mass shipments of fully assembled headsets may not begin until the second half of the year. This delay could result in the headset launching in the second half of 2023, even if Apple announces it earlier in the year. WWDC 2023 in June would be an opportune time for Apple to announce the headset, along with an SDK for developers to create AR VR apps for the device. Quo previously claimed that Apple planned to unveil the headset at a January media event and begin mass shipments in the second quarter of 2023. Quo is unsure whether the delay would result in the January announcement being pushed back, but he did note that an overly lengthy period between a media event and mass shipments can hurt sales. Apple's headset is expected to be an expensive niche product, with Quo forecasting that the company will ship fewer than 500,000 headsets in 2023, end quote. Following up on another recent Apple headline, a source is telling Reuters that Foxconn expects its Zhangzhou plant to resume full production in late December or early January, but plans may change. November revenue at Foxconn apparently dropped 11.4%. Quote, At present, the overall epidemic situation has been brought under control, with November being the most affected period, the company said in a statement adding it has started to recruit new employees and was gradually, quote, restoring production capacity to normal, end quote. Foxconn said November revenue for its smart consumer electronics business, which includes smartphones, declined year-on-year, partly due to a portion of shipments being impacted by production disruptions in Zhangzhou. It did not elaborate. Following the November unrest that saw workers clash with security personnel, Foxconn could have seen more than 30% of the Zhengzhou's site's November production affected, Reuters reported last month, citing a source familiar with the matter. Foxconn hasn't disclosed details of the impact of the disruption on its production plans or finances. The capacity is now being gradually resumed, with new staff hiring underway, said the person with direct knowledge of the matter. The person declined to be named as the information was private. Quote, if the recruitment goes smoothly, it could take around three to four weeks to resume full production, the person said, pointing to a period around late December to early January. A second Foxconn source familiar with the matter said the company is hoping to resume full production as soon as possible, but was not able to give a timeline. Quote, the situation has stabilized, the person said, referring to the protests and the government's easing of COVID restrictions. The local government is actively helping with the resumption, end quote. Rackspace has had to confirm a, quote, security incident impacting its hosted Microsoft Exchange services, leading to an extended outage. Customers have been complaining all weekend of poor customer support surrounding this issue, quoting the register. 
Some of Rackspace's hosted Microsoft Exchange services have been taken down by what the company has described as a security incident. The company's most recent incident report at the time of writing, timestamped 1.57 Eastern Time, December 3rd, offers the following information. On Friday, December 2nd, 2022, we became aware of an issue impacting our hosted exchange environment. We proactively powered down and disconnected the hosted exchange environment while we triaged to understand the extent and severity of the impact. Upon further analysis, we have determined that this is a security incident, end quote. The incident is further described as isolated to a portion of our hosted exchange platform, end quote. Rackspace has no idea when it will be able to restore its service to those impacted by the security incident. Rackspace has offered impacted customers free access to Microsoft Exchange Plan 1 licenses, on Microsoft 365 for the duration of the incident and shared instructions on how to get that up and running. The instructions suggest the work to get it running will take 30 minutes to an hour. The register has received accounts of the incident from customers trying to access Rackspace support. They're not pretty. Quote, the way they have handled this has been horrible. No support, no email, no nothing. Who knows when we will have answers, one customer wrote. I called the support line, held and listened to lousy music, for three hours and 14 minutes and 19 seconds, and finally had to terminate the call, wrote another. We've also seen reports that the process of migrating to Office 365 is not straightforward, as it may require information sent to email addresses that are inaccessible because of Rackspace's outage, end quote. And maybe pump the brakes on all the AI excitement, or maybe not, because maybe this headline can be read as bullish as it could show disruption already happening because of these AI advances. Stack Overflow has temporarily banned users from sharing responses generated by ChatGPT, pending a ruling in the future. Most answers provided by ChatGPT are incorrect, at least according to the powers that be at Stack Overflow. Quoting The Verge, the site's mod said that the ban was temporary and that a final ruling would be made sometime in the future after consultation with its community. But as the mods explained, ChatGPT simply makes it too easy for users to generate responses and flood the site with answers that seem correct at first, but are often wrong on close examination. The primary problem is that while the answers which ChatGPT produces have a high rate of being incorrect, they typically look like they might be good and the answers are very easy to produce, wrote the mods. As such, we need the volume of these posts to reduce, so for now, the use of ChatGPT to create posts here on Stack Overflow is not permitted. If a user is believed to have used ChatGPT after this temporary policy is posted, sanctions will be imposed to prevent users from continuing to post such content, even if the posts would otherwise be acceptable." End quote. ChatGPT is an experimental chatbot created by OpenAI and based on its autocomplete text generator, GPT 3.5. A web demo for the bot was released last week and has since been enthusiastically embraced by users around the web. The bot's interface encourages people to ask questions and in return offers impressive and fluid results across a range of queries, from generating poems, songs, and TV scripts to answering trivia questions and writing and debugging lines of code. But while many users have been impressed by ChatGPT's capabilities, others have noted its persistent tendency to generate plausible but false responses. Ask the bot to write a biography of a public figure, for example, and it may well insert incorrect biographical data with complete confidence. Ask it to explain how to program software for a specific function, and it can similarly produce believable but ultimately incorrect code. 
This is one of several well-known failings of AI text generation models, otherwise known as large language models or LLMs. These systems are trained by analyzing patterns in huge reams of text scraped from the web. They look for statistical regularities in this data and use these to predict what words should come next in any given sentence. This means, though, that they lack hard-coded rules for how certain systems in the world operate, leading to their propensity to generate fluent bullshit. Given the huge scale of these systems, it's impossible to say with certainty what percentage of their output is false. But in Stack Overflow's case, the company has judged for now that the risk of misleading users is just too high. Stack Overflow's decision is particularly notable as experts in the AI community are currently debating the potential threat posed by large language models. Jan LeCun, chief AI scientist at Facebook parent Meta, has argued, for example, that while LLMs can certainly generate bad output like misinformation, they don't make the actual sharing of this text any easier, which is what causes harm. But others say the ability of these systems to generate text cheaply, at scale, necessarily increases the risk that it is shared later. To date, there has been little evidence of the harmful effects of LLMs in the real world, but these recent events at Stack Overflow support the argument that the scale of these systems does indeed create new challenges. The site's mods say as much in announcing the ban on ChatGPT, noting that the volume of these AI-generated answers, thousands, and the fact that the answers often require a detailed read by someone with at least some subject matter expertise in order to determine that the answer is actually bad, has effectively swamped our volunteer-based quality curation infrastructure." End quote. The worry is that this pattern could be repeated on other platforms, with a flood of AI content drowning out the voices of real users with plausible but incorrect data. Exactly how this could play out in different domains around the web, though, would depend on the exact nature of the platform and its moderation capabilities. Whether or not these problems can be mitigated in the future using tools like improved spam filters remains to be seen." End quote. In 2023, just 10 vulnerabilities accounted for over half of the incidents responded to by our sponsors today, Arctic Wolf Incident Response. Wouldn't you love to know how to take these vulnerabilities off the table and make life more difficult for cybercriminals? That's just one of the essential insights you'll find inside the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 Threats Report. Authored by their elite team of security researchers, data scientists, and security development engineers, and backed by the data gained from trillions of weekly observations within thousands of unique environments, this report offers expert analysis into attack types, root causes, top vulnerabilities, TTPs, and more. Discover the attack vectors behind nearly half of all successful cybercrimes, why ransom demands climbed 20% from 2023, and find out why 2024 will be an especially volatile year for cybersecurity. Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com forward slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com forward slash techmeme. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. 
Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Octa-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Hopefully not more signs of contagion in the crypto space, but sources are telling the Financial Times that Gemini, the crypto exchange owned by the Winklevoss twins, is trying to recover $900 million owed to it by Genesis Global and Genesis's parent company, Digital Currency Group. Quote, Genesis is the main partner in Gemini's Earn program, where retail investors lend out their coins in exchange for a fixed stream of returns. Gemini halted withdrawals from the scheme last month after Genesis said, quote, unprecedented market turmoil meant it did not have sufficient liquidity to make good on all of its redemption requests. Gemini has now formed a creditors committee to recoup the funds from Genesis and its parent DCG, the people said. Gemini and Genesis declined to comment. Genesis has been scrambling to raise funding and has hired investment banking boutique Mollis and Company to help it explore all possible options, according to the people familiar with the situation. The creditor committee is in negotiations with both Genesis and DCG, the parent group of Genesis, which is run by billionaire Barry Silbert, the people said. DCG was founded in 2015 and is one of the biggest investors in the crypto industry. It was valued at $10 billion last year by investors including Singapore's Sovereign Wealth Fund, GIC, Google's venture arm, Capital G, and SoftBank, and its subsidiaries include Genesis and investment manager Grayscale. DCG itself owes money to its subsidiary Genesis. These intercompany loans have complicated the picture for creditors. DCG has $2 billion worth of outstanding debt, $1.7 billion of which is owed to its own subsidiary Genesis through two loans. Over the summer, Genesis lost $1.1 billion on a loan to collapsed hedge fund Three Arrows Capital. DCG took on Genesis's liabilities in the process, subsequently owing $1.1 billion to Genesis. Silbert told investors last week that DCG had separately borrowed $575 million from Genesis, quote, on an arm's length basis, end quote, to fund undisclosed investments and share buybacks from non-employee shareholders, end quote. And finally today, if you're in the crypto space, you don't need me to tell you that Sam Bankman-Fried has continued his all-out publicity blitz, agreeing to be interviewed by all and sundry, including lowly podcasts and YouTube channels. So people all weekend have been asking the question, why is he able to do this? Why has he not been arrested yet? Well, in Intelligencer, Ankush Kardori makes the plausible case that unlike, say, Bernie Madoff, SBF has not yet confessed to any criminal conduct arguing instead that FTX's collapse was purely sloppiness on his part. That likely means a U.S. prosecution could take some time to come together. Quote, Let's start with the actual circumstances of Bernie Madoff's arrest. The scheme was not detected by the government or the media 
infamously, but was in fact revealed by Madoff himself, who confessed the whole thing to his sons once he realized that he could not keep up the fraud. According to the criminal complaint filed on the day of his arrest, Madoff told his sons, quote, that he was finished, that he had absolutely nothing, that it's all just one big lie, and that it was basically a giant Ponzi scheme, end quote. His sons called the FBI, and two days later, two agents showed up at his home and asked whether, quote, there's an innocent explanation for what Madoff had told his sons. Madoff literally replied, quote, there is no innocent explanation, end quote. At the risk of stating the obvious, the reason Madoff was arrested so quickly is because he confessed to every element of criminal fraud, including both the underlying scheme and his criminal intent. This meant that the FBI had both that confession and highly potent admissible evidence of guilt in the form of testimony from his adult children who had no apparent axe to grind. We have not seen anything like a real admission of criminal conduct from SBF yet, and so far as I can tell, he has held firm on a central point for his defense, that the epic still-unspooling fiasco at FTX was the result of sloppiness and inadvertent missteps by the company's leadership, rather than an intentional effort to mislead FTX customers or investors. This means that the Justice Department will need to try to get to the bottom of it by conducting an investigation that could take a long time, which is not to say that it will take SBF's claim at face value. In fact, I am sure it will not, since his comments on the most prominent issue at the moment, FTX's transfer of customer funds to SBF's hedge fund Alameda Research and the subsequent loss of more than $1 billion, have been transparently evasive and substantively meaningless. We have seen this before, down to eerily familiar media minutiae. In 2016, just days after the Wall Street Journal published its first expose about Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes took the stage for an interview at a conference organized by the paper in which she insisted that the whole thing was a huge misunderstanding. I certainly understand why people would bristle at all those sources of potential delay, but this sort of investigative slog is much more common in a white-collar case than a quick arrest. For instance, it took almost a year for the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan, which is reportedly handling the FTX investigation, to charge the founder of the electric truck startup Nikola with fraud, even though the short-selling firm Hindenburg Research seemingly did all of the work when it published a lengthy report that precipitated the investigation in the first place. And it took nearly two years for the department to charge Holmes, even after the journal's John Carreyou publicly exposed the central problems at Theranos. Prosecutors at the Justice Department cannot and do not simply indict people based on what they read in the press, no matter how damning it may seem. Even if they desperately want to charge someone, prosecutors have to conduct their own investigation to develop robust, admissible evidence of criminal misconduct, which requires gathering and reviewing documents and data, speaking with witnesses, and perhaps above all, time." End quote. Over the weekend, we showed the kids Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade for the first time, and I was annoying everybody with my Sean Connery impressions, but as I kept on with it, my wife said, I was drifting into a Daniel Plainview impression from There Will Be Blood, so I guess this weekend I discovered I can do a Daniel Plainview? You tell me. I run a family business. This is my son and partner, H.W. If I tell you I'm an oil man, you'll believe me. Goddamn hell of a show. I don't know. Close? Anyway, talk to you tomorrow. 